are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnNFL. And you can find all the fantasy football advice that you're going to need here in the coming weeks on the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast, hosted by Vinny Iyer. He's doing all sorts of cool series like Young Breakout Players. He did an entire 12-team mock draft over like two weeks, 17 rounds, like crazy stuff. Honestly, just listen to that mock draft. You're probably set for your draft. It's awesome stuff. Go check that out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And today, got a couple of Storytime Series entries for you. I'm excited to bring them to you. We got Sheldon Richardson. We got K.J. Osborne coming down the pipe a little later. But first, I wanted to address a very fun little talker that uh, was going around, bouncing around the Internet on uh, on Wednesday about the idea of like an expansion team protection thing. Always a fun deal. So the NHL did is its expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken. So everybody protected their players. And I think it was PFF started it and they tweeted out something like, OK, you can uh, protect three non-quarterbacks for uh, a hypothetical expansion draft. Who would be the three players? I love it. I think that's interesting. And I'm sure, I don't know, pause the thing. Take take a minute to figure out what yours would be. It's probably, oh, well, I'll give you a second. Are you good? Did you, did you take your time? Okay, so I would probably guess that you have Daniel Hunter and Justin Jefferson on there, right? Like those two feel like they're in everybody's. And then that last guy varies wildly. I've seen some people say Brian O'Neill. I've seen some people say Eric Kendricks. I've seen some people say Adam Thielen and Harrison Smith, like older players. But the idea of this format is a lot more interesting than uh, who are the top three players on the Vikings? Because there is, I mean, there's like obviously the value thing. There is the uh, longevity thing. You know, it, it, when somebody says Harrison Smith or Adam Thielen, the first response is always going to be, well, I don't know, they're old. And, you know, how much, how many years do you think you're getting off of them? Um, and you kind of hear the same thing with Brian O'Neill. How many years do you get off of Brian O'Neill? He's due for an extension right away. Do Are we sure we're that worried about somebody poaching that situation? If they're going to poach somebody, poach the guy in a contract year. So there's all sorts of stuff to that third guy. And I don't know, I find that so neat that the first two are so clearly obvious. Nobody's arguing with Jefferson or Daniel Hunter. But then you get to the third guy and it could be like any of a number of people. You could even go with some off the wall ones. You could say Dalvin Cook if you wanted to try to make the running back thing and just call Dalvin Cook the kind of the guy that is the skill player that a lot of concepts are designed to get him the ball in space. And so he's kind of the focal point of so many things on the offense that if you lose him, you'd have to do so many redesigns. You could say uh, Garrett Bradbury if you really wanted to be wild. I know people aren't going to like that because of his pass protection and stuff, but the offensive line starts at the center and some of the things that Garrett Bradbury does are particularly unique. And so you could imagine an expansion team wanting to poach him and build around him in spite of the pass protection because of how samey every center's pass protection is, which I went into in a lot more detail in a previous show. I even did an article. I'll link it in the show notes. Those two are more like hot takey answers, though, that I only bring up for the fun of it. I think the two most persuasive ones that I've seen are Eric Kendricks and Brian O'Neill. And I think 
I'm going with Eric Kendricks because even though he's 29 and people are like, ooh, he's 29, that's going to be old. Look, for a linebacker, you still get like four or five more years. And honestly, any plan you make more than three years out is kaput anyways. So if I'm getting more than three years out of you, age isn't a concern for me. Um, And I think you can pretty well uh, rely on three more years out of Eric Kendricks at this point. And he's generating surplus value for you because he is underpaid. Fred Warner just got a huge contract. I think Fred Warner and Eric Kendricks are the same tier of player, and Fred Warner deserved that contract. I think Eric Kendricks would deserve something similar, but he's making like half that much almost, uh, or not, or a, a little more than half that much. It's a, a really, really crazy contract for Fred Warner, and I think the fact that you're going to get kind of the same level of linebacker play from Eric Kendricks is uh, for, you know, so much less money is, I think, worth protecting. So that's the one that I would go with. And it leads me to a greater conversation that I wanted to mention, because I've got a minute here, uh, about linebacker value. So linebacker value was also kind of a big conversation point because of the Fred Warner extension. And I, I think we have a tough time quantifying what linebackers do, because what linebackers do is difficult to quantify. Again, what are gaps filled over expectation? Show me that statistic, and that'll be the linebacker statistic, because a linebacker can have a very good play on a play where he didn't make the tackle and even pff grades that are supposed to like subjectively see what happens are very often going to miss the routine consistent things that linebackers do well um i I think it was charles mcdonald at four verts who put it really really well you know you can and and i think the the argument about linebacker is that linebackers are replaceable there are a lot of linebackers and there's not scarcity and therefore you know that's why they get paid less um and here's the thing off-ball linebackers get paid more than you think and they generate more value than you think even by the nerdy analytic war stuff but i love the way that uh chuck put it which is you know yeah you can get serviceable linebacker play pretty easily you can find eric wilson's that are like fine and are good at one thing really bad at another i think you can do better than eric wilson without working too hard you can find your ben gettians maybe that's a better way to put it but when you have a fred warner a bobby wagner and eric kendricks that changes everything and i think a big reason that that changes everything is that linebackers that are that good can cover two gaps. And that means a defensive lineman doesn't have to. And when you can tell a defensive lineman, just attack the one gap, that opens up a huge arsenal of stuff. And that guy can be Daniil Hunter. That guy can be Dalvin Tomlinson. A lot of times that guy was Shamar Steffen, and they would have him kind of two-on-one with linemen. They would have him kind of prevent guards from climbing to the second level and generate run stops that way, and that's why Eric Kendricks was such a good run stopper. That kind of thing is only possible because of Eric Kendricks being good. Because Eric Kendricks was good, they didn't really need to go get a a guy who was better than Shamar Steffen for Eric Kendricks to be kind of uh, let free to go roam and, and disrupt a whole bunch of plays. He's so good, he enables himself, and he doesn't need as much help from the team. That, I think, is extremely valuable. And I think the 49ers enjoy the same thing with Fred Warner. The Seahawks enjoy the same thing with, I, I would kind of call it KJ Wright, but sure, call it Bobby Wagner too from back in the day. And I think on the whole, if you are on the side, and I saw a lot of people kind of saying, well, you know, linebacker, I even saw uh, Frisco Josh, who uh, writes for 538, say that linebackers are the running backs of offense. I think that's just, it, it betrays so much about the nuances and subtleties of football. Um, I, I don't know. I think you maybe should take that one back to the drawing board. 
And maybe on another day, I can talk more about what linebackers do and their value and run fits and stuff. I think I'm not quite ready to have that conversation in the level of detail that I want to have it because look, I'm still learning run fits too. Run fits are hard as hell. Everybody's still learning run fits to some degree. Ask any coach, they'll say, yeah, I'm still learning. Um, So let's put a pin in that in the linebacker value discussion because I do like it, but I want to make sure that I'm in the right like level of knowledge for uh, having that conversation. So instead, let's move on to the story time series entries for today again we're talking about sheldon richardson who has an awesome weaving winding story about making mistakes and learning from them and then kj osborne who also is is like a nose to the grindstone kind of guy and the work ethic and the struggles that he had with exposure i can't wait to tell you all about that stuff but first let me ask you about your car when's the last time you got your battery changed has it been more than like a year or two because if it has been more than I, I would call it like three or four years you might need a new battery and you shouldn't wait for the light to come on because and I speak from experience if you don't replace your battery before it becomes a problem uh battery acid can leak out torture alternator and it'll cost you like two or three grand and it'll strand you on the side of the road on the night before thanksgiving don't let that happen to you go to rockauto.com and get a new battery and if you're worried about like what's the right kind of battery what's right for my car just enter your make your year and your model and rock auto does that for you and you can basically just take that battery to any mechanic worth of salt and say hey can you install this they'll do it for you and you'll be saving a buck rock auto isn't getting you cheaper parts they're getting you the same parts for cheaper you hear the difference in that they're just linking you directly to the manufacturer so that you can cut out the expensive middleman of an auto parts store. So head on over to rockauto.com, and when you buy something, make sure at checkout you let them know in the How You Heard About Us section that Locked On sent you. Because if you don't, the buddies will start working their way up to lighter treasons. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And high school, Sheldon Richardson was a bit of a renaissance man. He grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. He played uh, defensive tackle, tight end, wide receiver, running back, and he returned punts. He did everything. And that's kind of what happens when you are a high school player who's a totally freakish athlete and you're going up against like a whole bunch of other like high school sophomores who are just random 15-year-olds. You're going to kind of play everything and they're just going to find as every way they can to use your athleticism, right? So after uh, Sheldon Richardson's sophomore year of high school, he heads to this one-day football camp in Washington State, kind of this, uh, like, pro day thing. And he weighs in at 281, and he runs a 4-9, just obscene. So there's a recruiter there from Mizzou who goes up to him, and he says, all right, when you're a senior, you get a scholarship. Keep in touch, and, like, you know, gives him the contact information. And Sheldon immediately takes it. He says, on the spot, oh, I want to be a Tiger. And he makes that promise. Uh, and so he keeps in touch with Mizzou over the next couple of years of high school. And he says that he wants to be a Tiger. He gets to know the coaches. He built a relationship with Mizzou, but Mizzou might've jumped the gun because they offered him a scholarship and got him all excited with two years for other schools to get their grimy little hands in and try to get Sheldon Richardson away. He was a very, very highly touted recruit. Uh, so I think Columbia, he takes an unofficial Colum- visit to Columbia and he says, he, no, no, I'm really committed to Mizzou. I'm just, you know, covering my bases can't hurt it's an unofficial visit not a big deal i'm totally going to mizzou still and then by like november he's taking more official visits and he says like oh i'm still a mizzou commitment like somewhat but there's another snag in this whole process which is that sheldon richardson's test scores are too low to be academically eligible so all these schools also have to wait for sheldon richardson so he's got to do the juco thing 
and he's going to go to the College of Sequoias, which is a place with not a lot of financial aid available to him either. So money's tight and he splits like a cramped apartment with some other players. He's like sleeping on the floor. And so he's kind of roughing it. And uh, that is a lesson he learns the hard way. Never again will grades get in the way for Sheldon Richardson. And he uh, academics are very, very important. Now you learn the lesson once you don't have to learn it again. So Juco football isn't very hard, and Sheldon's killing it on the field, totally dominating people still. So all the same schools are plenty interested, just waiting for him to become eligible. So after his couple years at the College of Sequoias, uh, he gets his grades up, and at that time, he's still taking pitches. And his commitment to Mizzou is ever-waning, we'll go with. And it all comes to a head in December, where he flips to USC. And it seems like Ed Orgeron, who uh, was at USC at the time, remember him from the Justin Jefferson one and all the promises he made to the Jefferson family? Uh, Apparently, he made a pretty good pitch to Sheldon Richardson, and uh, Richardson kind of thought that USC would give him a better shot at the NFL. And that was very much true at the time. They had just gone through their big Reggie Bush scandal, uh, USC. Pete Carroll had just bailed off to Seattle Seahawks, and uh, they were had just gone through all that, but they were still this blue blood program. And it's like, yeah, bowl games or no bowl games, I Sheldon Richardson was going to join because of the prestige of the program. But then suddenly, a month of radio silence. Nobody hears from him. And when National Signing Day actually comes for all the JUCO players, he signs with Mizzou, and he honors his original promise. So, to Mizzou we go. He goes home, right? It's, he's from St. Louis, and so here we go. And after all of that, he actually only plays at Mizzou for a couple of years before he declares for the, the uh, NFL draft in 2013. And he was supposed to be like a top five pick that year. You might remember the pre-draft process. He was a like total blue chip prospect, but kind of surprisingly, he falls to 13th. He has that fall, that same fall that, you know, Leonard Williams, and he fell to like six. He wasn't supposed to. Sharif Floyd also fell that year. Uh, and he takes it to heart. And in the 2013 season, he wins Defensive Rookie of the Year with the Jets. And his 2014 season goes pretty well, too, even though things in New York are not going great at this time. Uh, I believe this was the end of the Rex Ryan era. Uh, But so here's the thing. Things start to kind of unravel for Sheldon Richardson around this. So football um, hurts. It is a painful sport with a lot of pain in it. And we don't really think about that a lot. We think about injuries, we think about like the danger of CTE and all that, but not really just like the pain and endurance aspect of it. And a lot of players turn to uh, substances to help with this. Toradol, which is can be like horrific on your body long term, Vicodin, you know, the Brett Favre thing. And some use marijuana. And Richardson was one of those people who started using weed as a pain management thing. But over time, he says it kind of became recreational, thing you would do for fun. And so in that offseason between 2014 and 2015, he fails a drug test, gets a four-game suspension. And two weeks after he gets that suspension, he has a really, really, really bad night. He gets pulled over doing 145 miles per hour. He was street racing. And in the car, uh, it reeks of weed. There's two other people in the car and a 12-year-old, which makes things way worse. And so from the state of Missouri, he gets two years probation. And from the NFL, he gets a game suspension for that as well. And he is really ashamed of this. And he says the worst thing about it was having to tell his mom and the embarrassment of of that. But again, lesson taken to heart. Car doesn't never goes over 75 miles per hour nowadays. Uh, Also in 2015, he learns a lesson about social media. He was tweeting about Darren Wilson, who you might remember as the police officer who killed Michael Brown in Ferguson during 2014-2015 when the Ferguson riots were going on and all of that stuff. Um, And it was right after Darren Wilson was uh, released and and let off with, with no conviction. 
and he calls him a pig. He said, they let that pig go. And he gets tons of pushback for this, right? Everybody's super mad about that tweet. And he stands by it and he says, nope, I absolutely stand by that, that comment, but I'm not arguing with all of you on social media. Deletes the app, never been on Twitter again. Uh, wise. That is a very a good way to go. I envy him. <laughs> but anyway, so he plays out the rest of his rookie deal in New York. But New York media is rather unkind because now he's the troubled kid with off-field who can't shut up on social media. And people are dragging his name through the mud. And he hates this, right? People are judging him who have never met him. This, you know, hardworking kid who, who did the junior college thing, who got his grades up, who overcame all this stuff. And people just kind of see him as a trouble guy. And you best believe there's some racial undertones to all of that, too. So his relationship with New York is pretty fractured headed into that 2017 season. And the Jets have been trying to trade him all offseason. But every time they get a deal struck, it requires Sheldon Richardson to restructure the contract. The other team, I think Denver was one of them, uh, says, yeah, we'll trade for him if he agrees to a little less money. And Sheldon Richardson says, no, I'm not taking less money. Screw off. I don't even really want to be traded. I'm not playing along with this until eventually the Seahawks bite. And in, I think it was like the first day of September, uh, they agreed to trade for him with no restructured deal. You get all your money and you're just going to play your last deal as a Seahawk. And that's what he does. He plays as a Seahawk for the rest of 2017. Um, there were some rumblings that he maybe wanted to reunite with the Jets later that they, uh, in free agency, they might sign him. But that's the 2018 offseason where he comes here to Minnesota. And this is the part where I get to tell a story. Uh, so that was the year I was in training camp and I was able to talk to some of the players. And uh, I look, I'm a guy that's that gravitates toward the lesser guys, you know, the underdog free agents, the guys who won't make the team, the underdogs. I'm, I don't know, I got a soft spot, right? You probably realize that. Uh, so I had talked to a couple of the defensive linemen that year. I don't even remember who they are. I think maybe Jalen Holmes was one of them. Um, and I, I had talked to them, and they all said, like, unanimously, oh, Sheldon's been great. He's been taking me along. I was talking to only rookies because I was doing a thing about veteran leadership. So I asked them, all, like, who, who are you turning to? And they all said, Sheldon, 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 Sheldon. And so I actually got to talk to Sheldon Richardson, and I told him this. I said, you know, I talked to, like, three players, and they all say that, like, you're the leader. And he looked at me, and he was, like, visibly taken aback when I said the word leader. And you could tell he was really just so bothered by all of the weird confrontational vibes of the New York media, even a couple of years removed from it. And he looked me in the eye. He told me nobody's ever called me a leader before. And I thought that was really kind of crazy because he's a veteran player in the Vikings taking young guys along. I was like, really? Nobody's ever called you that? All right. Well, yeah, but I got three people who just did. I got them on tape. Uh, so anyways, somewhere around his time in Minnesota, he has a daughter. And uh, he says, like, he's going to push her real hard in school. Academics are important now. And again, we keep the car under 75. So after 2018, the Vikings don't have enough money. They let him go to Cleveland. And there it kind of becomes a home for him. He gets really close to Larry Joby and all the other guys. He's really joking around. I mean, he's always been a joker, but he's like, you know, he seems really comfortable in Cleveland, really likes it there. Uh, and then after that, again, a money thing happens and he comes back here to Minnesota. Kind of ironic. Uh, seems like it's a contract deal over there in Cleveland, nothing personal. Uh, but the Vikings were waiting with open arms. And so now he's kind of nearing the tail end of his career, looking back on the mistakes he made as a kid, you know, learn lesson after lesson. And now he's like the elder statesman who's been through it. And if you want to talk about redemption, you want to talk about second chances, uh, you want to talk about just what it's like to be a kid in trouble and have to overcome that and have to deal with that. Sheldon Richardson's got stories for you. Talk about KJ Osborne too, coming up. But first I want to talk about Grambling. You can bet on so many things with regard to the NFL right now. You can bet on who's going to win certain divisions. It's interesting. You can't bet on the Packers division odds right now. 
which is always very fun to know that they're in that kind of flux. But you could bet on the Vikings division odds. I think they're still like plus 240 right now to win the division if you're feeling it, if you think Aaron Rodgers might leave. Uh, you can bet on where the Vikings will land. So if you think they'll place third, you can actually bet that. And I think they're like plus 185 or something to be to place third, and that's to double your money, right? You can bet on anything you want, reality shows, word shows, other sports. You can find at betonline.ag, your one-stop shop for all things news, sports, odds, anything you want, and it's free to set up an account you just go to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile, and when you make your first deposit, you can enter promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N all one word, and you can get some free gambling money as well. They'll match your first deposit to fifty percent if you enter that promo code Locked On. That means thousand dollars for your first deposit. You'd have fifteen hundred to gamble with. That is at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. At Lincoln Heights High, near uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan, near like Ann Arbor, uh, K.J. Osborne's uncle would coach the high school team at Lincoln Heights High, and K.J. Osborne, a 10-year-old, would go and watch. But he didn't want to just watch. He wanted to be closer to the sport. So he asked his uncle, uh, Sean Williams, said, Uncle Sean, can I be a ball boy? And he wanted to be that much closer to the game. That was always the way that K.J. Osborne approached football, always thinking outside the box and trying to find a way to get closer to his ultimate dream, which was the NFL, one of those kinds of players who wanted to be in the NFL before he could walk, right? And he basically gets that work harder for everything you need mentality from like the first days of his life. And he talks about his parents. His mom was a dental hygienist, among other things, worked multiple jobs. His dad is a cross-country truck driver, and they're both just total grinders. And so that rubs off on the kids, KJ and his sister Kira. Uh, and in his eighth grade history class... KJ's teacher, uh, his name's Chris Westfall, who also coached uh, on the high school football team, noticed that work ethic. Uh, and Chris Westfall knew about KJ Osborne, and he kind of said, man, that kid in sixth grade could have played high school football. But when he actually went to play high school football at Lincoln Heights, uh, he only played there for two years. And then it started to be clear that he was going to be a, uh, a possible NFL prospect. Like, he was going to play college ball, and he wanted to maximize those chances. So, Lincoln High is kind of a basketball school, um, and he didn't get a lot of exposure. So he transfers to IMG Academy, which is in Florida, uh, and he and his best friend Tyler Mabry go there. Uh, IMG Academy, if you haven't heard of it, it's like this super high-tier prep school for high school uh, football prospects. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry went there. There's actually a handful of Vikings that uh, ultimately went there. And he goes there and has a couple of good years. You'd think after a couple of good years at IMG, uh, he and Mabry would be like big-time recruits, right? That's like the most exposed you can get. Every NFL team is constantly all over IMG Academy. That is where they, like, hone future pro bowlers. But they did, for whatever reason, still mysterious to his coaches there at IMG, have no idea to this day. Uh, but for whatever reason, everybody sort of whiffed on it. So he ends up going to uh, the Mountain American Conference and he commits to the University of Buffalo. Um, and Buffalo's going well, but again, after a couple of years, he starts to think about the draft. He's in the Mountain American Conference. And so he grinds his ass off in the classroom and he works and he works and he works and he applies that work ethic that he's had ingrained in him as a, since he was a kid. Uh, and he gets his degree early and he gets another year of eligibility that comes with that. So he can grant, he can grad transfer. 
Um, and he's like self-conscious about the whole process though, because, and, and I mean, look, who can blame him after the kind of humbling experience of not getting recruited the way that he wanted to, he doesn't know who's going to want him, but that's what kind of brings us to Miami and Miami had a little bit of a problem. Miami had a, a reputation for kind of being the school where jocks go, the school of all these athletes, but not necessarily the gym rat hard worker types. And KJ Osborne very much fits that mold. You know, he's the gym rat. Everybody calls him first in last out. every cliche in the world. You probably heard about uh, KJ Osborne if you ask around. And uh, so Miami loves that. It's perfect. So they offer him and he gets a text about like flight information for ACC Media Day. And he thinks it's a mistake and he puts his phone down and he like doesn't answer it. And somebody has to tell him like, hey, no, that's real. Like Miami wants you. And he he didn't know like what it was like to be wanted by, you know, a big like a power five school. Um, so they bring him in and he it goes great in Miami. Uh, he leads the team in receiving. He's a returner and that gets him drafted, of course, in the weird 2020 draft. Uh, and he comes in to mostly be a kick returner. And that's the job that he gets returning kicks. And he does that for like seven or eight weeks. And it doesn't go great, and he gets benched here uh, by the, the Vikings. Got benched for, uh, I think it was Chad Beebe at first, and then there was that disastrous Carolina game, and then it was Amir Abdullah for the rest of the season. And so that puts him in this really rough spot heading into 2021. You're behind the eight ball. Everything you wanted for your whole life, you had it in your hands, and now it's slipping through your fingers. You are a lowly recruited person who has grinded, who has thought outside the box, who has somehow navigated your way into the NFL despite being obscured at every turn. But now everything's on the line, and you need to go win a job. So KJ Osborne, what do you got? We got one more show this week, so I will talk to you tomorrow, doing a lot more story time stuff on that. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL, shows on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. Go check out the Locked On Today podcast, everything going on in the wide world of sports, under 20 minutes every single morning. I'll see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.